The shocking news story of the century. Who really won Queen's trial? While most of the noble houses thought the obvious winner was Evangeline of House Samos, the bigger question is why has the king still not spoken about the mystery servant that sparked conversations throughout the country and the troubles it could cause for his decision? I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller. And this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family book club podcast. Today we are discussing Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. Lady Marina Titanos, born to Lady Nora Noel Titanos and Lord Ethan Titanos, General of the Iron Legion, heiress to House Titanos, Maria Titanos, Titanos. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is Episode 5. Red Queen, chapters 9 through 11. I'm sorry, I didn't catch your last name. <laughs> so, Titanos. Think we can say that a one a couple more times. So this is, um, this is Mayor, Mayor Barrow, our heroines. This is her new... Um, excuse me, Titana? <laughs> sorry, Titanos. She literally just told you that. Excuse me? This is Marina Titanos. This is our new, this is Mayor's new identity. Yes. So, what's... What is the what is this all about? How do we open on Mare? This is kind of an unusual situation for any book, not called The Hunger Games, where you've seen this already, but tell us what they're doing to Mare. They are trying to take her because they found out that she has this ability that she shouldn't have at all. This is not normal. They are trying to hide her so that nobody knows that she's a red with an ability. They want her to appear silver. Yes. So what they do here is they say that her dad's side is Titanos. And what are what was the ability of the Titanos? What were they called? Oblivions. And they basically just can make stuff explode by touching it almost, right? Yes. And then you've got the mother side, it's, was it Noel? No, N-O-E-L-L-E, right? N-O-L-L-E. Noel. Yeah, I just read it like Noel. Okay. Yeah. And that's the mom side, and there's storms, which means they can kind of almost control the weather to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. So what Alara is trying to pawn off is saying, okay, this is the union of you two these two people, and that's how you got this unique ability to control electricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves there. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Yeah. Let's take it back a step and go step by step. Okay. Because when we open with Mare, she's going through, like, the glow-up process. Yeah, kind of her transformation from red girl from the stilts to silver. Technically still from the stilts, but we'll get to that later. Right. Well, and, like... So, stupid me, when I was re- reading this the first time, it didn't occur to me the makeup thing is just as much, like, it's it's not an illusion as far as the fact that she needs to look made up to fit in in the capital, which she does, but also, she doesn't have red blood in her veins, or she doesn't have silver blood in her veins, she has red blood in her veins. So her face looks like 
a red. Her body looks like a red. So they have to cover her completely with makeup, almost like the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. Yes. Because without it, they can easily tell that she's red no matter what happens. Which is one of the holes I see in their plan. In the, you know, the Silver's plan here. The royal family's plan. Because if she really was Silver, wouldn't the people who had seen her during Queen's trial, when they thought she was just a normal red, wouldn't they be like, but she looked like a red. Why does she suddenly look silver? You'd think some people would start questioning that. I, I don't know if it's just because of, like, the amount of clothes that she had on. You know, I don't know exactly what the deal was with that. But, yeah, the the makeup kind of, it goes on, and then Mare almost uses it as, um, like, a shield between her and her old life. So when she has the makeup on, she's Marina. And when she doesn't have the makeup on, she's back to Mare. She kind of uses it as a reminder of who she's supposed to be at that point in time. Right. Then they, then, uh, she kind of has a little bit of a existential crisis almost. Well, I mean, she does. She does. A hundred percent. She has an existential crisis. So she says, how long will this last? This is in her mind. This is like an inner monologue thing. Yeah. Inner monologue. Yeah. How long will this last, betrothed to a prince? Even in my head it sounds crazy, because it is. No silver in their right mind would marry you, let alone a prince of Norda. Not to calm rebellion, not to hide your identity, not for anything. Then why do this? So, see, at this point, all of these things that are happening to Mary, she still doesn't really believe that everything that she's being told is what's going to come to fruition at this point. She's doubting everything. Right, yeah, they've told her that this is what's going to happen, but I don't know if she still thinks she's just going to get locked away or whatever. Or but murdered. Then they bring out the dress, which is probably worth more one dress than every piece of clothing Mare's ever owned combined. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice dress. It sounds like a beautiful dress. I mean, purple's my favorite color, so I would be... Right there with the Titanos family. And I would also like to be able to blow things up when I get mad. So. It's so much better than throwing a normal temper tantrum. Team Titanos. hey <laughs> Okay, so tell us about the dress. The dress is a dark shade of purple spattered with silver. So the house's colors are purple and silver. Kind of seems like silver is a prerequisite unless you're royalty. And even then, I think they still have they still silver, have silver. On there. There are some that aren't. I think it's. I think it's just. There's happens to be a lot of convert combinations that are like talked about that are that have silver in them. Yeah. But I've definitely like as you go through it and you look at all of them. If you collect them all, there are more that don't have silver than that do. I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. I did find um, a quote here. Some more foreshadowing. (laughs) Mare says, I will never wear a crown or sit on a throne. Something will happen. An accident, maybe. So Mare doesn't think it's going to happen, but she has no idea what will actually happen. Yeah, because she knows that the queen 
because it's really mm -hmm. Alara that wants to do something to her. She knows that the queen can't just come right out and kill her because then everyone would be questioning, oh, what happened? Why did you just kill her? It was such a such a unique thing. But she's thinking maybe she'll find a sneakier way to kill me, like an accident. Right. Air quotes, accident. Exactly. Then. Exactly. And then the maids try to get Mare to give up one last piece of her red life, and they pretty much pull back a nub. Yeah. Tell us about that. So they try and take the earrings that Mare has that her brothers gave to her when they got conscripted. Each time they got conscripted, her brothers gave her an earring. And they split them between her and Giza. So, she is thinking, this is the last thing that I have tying me to my old life. They can change everything else, but they cannot take these from me. So does she get to keep them? Yes. It's like the only thing that they don't change. Impressive. And her hair, I think. Do they dye her hair? Not that I remember. Hmm. So within, um, at this point, <clears throat> as she's getting all dressed up and fending off the earring stealers, <laughs> um, Cal comes in, correct? Mm-hmm. He comes in. Does she say something about him when he comes in? Because for some reason in my notes I say, Cal comes in all swole. <laughs> That's my name for Cal. Cal is swole, swole Cal, Cal for me. No. Swole Cal. Because um, he's always described as being rather buff and muscly. He says that color suits you. Yeah. So. He's, like, he's, he's kind of flattering her. you look nice. Yeah. You look nice. You look so pretty. And then he, like, then he apologizes to her, right, for getting in, her into all she's like. Yeah. Mm. She's also, Cal isn't supposed to, I don't think he's supposed to be in her room. I would say well, he's definitely not, he's supposed, not supposed to be, to be there. Room. It's like, no, yeah. I don't think you should be here, man. But he is, for some reason. And she blushes. I noticed, which is the first time that she's thankful that she's been painted silver because you uh, can't see that she's blushing. Yeah. Ooh, Mare, you want to tell us something? Well, this this is interesting. It it'll reverse itself later on in the chapter or in the next chapter. But when he goes to start his conversation with her, he calls her Mare. And she says, it's Marina, remember? And she's very quick to point out, no, no, mm. I'm Marina. I cannot be, you can't call me Mare It's anymore. literally later in this conversation. Yeah. And then, and then he says, good thing Mare is an acceptable nickname then, because he's not going to stop calling her Mare, basically. Like, I'm Swole Cow. Basically, I know who you are. I do what I want to do. I'm Swole Cow. <laughs> and my dad can try and hide it, but I, I won't. Like, he can make me not refer to you that way. You try. This is not right. going to work. Right. Right. I think he's trying to give her just like a little piece of normalcy, niceness, normalcy in all of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure feel, he I'm sure feels really bad. Right. I mean, I, I, you couldn't even imagine how that would feel. Right. It's probably like, I am the worst. I am the absolute worst. 
mean, he's not the ant from Jurassic World, but he's pretty bad. Pretty bad. And then we meet another character, too. This is a fun one. Is this when we meet Lucas? This is when we meet Lucas. No, we met Lucas in Chapter 8. You guys oh, both think we... <laughs> we so literally we... covered this. Right, no, well, we met... But this is when we actually find we... out the substance we... about Lucas. We knew That's Lucas true. existed and he had a name and it was Lucas. That was really <laughs> all we knew at that point. Right. Yeah. But now we find out a lot more about Lucas and like his stance with his family and that... Basically, Cal has made sure that whatever Mare needs, Lucas is going to take care of for her. So he he lets her know that she can trust Lucas no matter what, you know. Because I'm sure yeah. she feels like there's nobody that she can trust there. She probably doesn't even trust Cal at this point in time. And yeah. Do we find out some other things about Lucas's family at this point? Oh, yeah, they hate him. Yeah. They he's, think he's weak, right? Yeah. 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 And he hates them, so it's a mutual hate. Exactly. It's just none of them like him, and he doesn't like the rest of them. So. And then does she not, she also learns something, too, about Cal and Maven. Does she not at this point, is this not when she learns that Cal, that Elara is not Cal's mother? Yes. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Alara isn't Cal's mom. So. But does she find any more information out about about that? She just knows that there was clearly a queen prior to Alara, mm -hmm. and that would be Cal's mother. That's Cal's mom. Yeah. But she doesn't know anything else other than no. Alara is not. <clears throat> and we kind of see um, Cal tells Mare that. He's the one that saved her when the fire was in the palace. That he kept her well saved. He says saved her basically. She equates it to he stopped her from being able to escape and go back to her family. But that's why at that time I said, do you think that she would have actually made it back to the stilts exactly. and been able to live? Had he not, not a chance. Yeah. caught her. And and Cal comes right out and tells her that, like, Alara would have hunted you to the end of the earth. Even if and you made family. it past all the security, the sentinels, literally everything. If you made it back to the stilts, you still wouldn't be able to stay there. We have a mutter count here. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. some muttering. So Everybody mutters. Mutter. Everybody mutters or mumbles or just... So annoying. There, there will also be a flinch slash wince count. Yeah. Because Mara does both of those things a lot. This is when Mare is putting a lot of pressure on herself, too. Like, we don't need Alara to come in and put any pressure on Mare, really, because she's But of course she it. will. Oh, of course she will. But Mare's doing it on her own. She says, Red behind a silver curtain that can never be pulled away. Others will die for her failure. So, I mean, she knows if she doesn't pull this off that people are going to die. Her, her family, Kalorn, you know, who knows where the queen would stop if Mare makes it 
embarrassing for them exactly. or whatever. So, and it's not just Mare. Like, of course, they, they, they'll find a way to kill Mare if she slips up. But it also, her family, her friends, everybody that she loves. Now, when she's walking with Lucas, they're walking to the feast, right? Mm-hmm. The Queen's trial. Does she bump into Alara again here? She does, unfortunately. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is where we get the information correct about her identity. This is where Alara's yeah. like, this is this who you is now. Yeah. Wait, hold on. i got to interject my favorite part. Oh, my God. In this. This is that I, cracks you up so Yeah, much. that I cracked up so bad about, so much about. Mare's first time in an elevator. <laughs> it is really funny because you know what? Let me share. You know why I think it's so funny for you? Because you're also scared of elevators. I hate elevators. And it's good to know that it's a natural ingrained fear. <laughs> Let's see what and not something here. that you learn. Mom, in all fairness. In years of riding in elevators, being afraid they're going to break down. In all fairness, know. this was her first time riding in an elevator. And she is from one of the poorest red towns that isn't a slum. Right. She says, <laughs> The sentinels usher us into a box with no windows and harsh lighting. I force myself to breathe, even though... <clears throat> Excuse me, even though I'd rather push out of what feels like a giant metal coffin. I jump a mile when the, li- when the lift suddenly moves, making my pulse raise. My breath comes in short gasps as I look around in wide-eyed fright, expecting to see the others reacting the same way. But no one else seems to mind the fact that the box we're in is dropping. <laughs> Only Lucas notices my discomfort and slows our descent a little. Then he has to explain it to her. <laughs> the lift moves up and down. Uh, it's an elevator. So we can get to where we're going. She has no idea, and I think it's hilarious. Like, he has to explain to her that they get in this metal death box to get moved around. Because it's so big. And then he's basically smiling and, and gloating at her because he's so amused by her first time riding in an could, elevator. Can, There's a murmur in there, by the way. I he can murmurs. hear the venom in your voice when you speak of elevators. <laughs> did they, when did they harm you? <laughs> My mother hates elevators. They haven't yet, but the want, time is coming. I know it I is. I want everyone to write that down. It pertains to the story in no way, but my mom hates elevators. Listen, you've been in those elevators in those buildings downtown. You know what I'm talking about. You have like, to go up and down in the 7-Eleven South Jefferson elevator eight times a day. Those aren't elevators. They have like an 80-year-old dude. They strap you to his back. and you They're <laughs> death traps. I'm telling you. I feel you on this one, Mary. I feel you. Oh, I'm so glad I don't. Uh, so glad I don't have to deal with downtown very much. So we get a little description of the queen mm-hmm. here. Very pale, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's and where Maven blonde. gets it as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're naturally pale because they're silvers. Well, it's true, but like she's paler than normal. Right. So she's like very, very blonde, almost white hair, mm-hmm. and pale. <sighs> so we kind of talked about that for our listeners. We, we did some test recording the other day and recorded a fun little bonus episode that we'll probably never see the light of day about <laughs> dream casting for the series. Um, and we talked a, a lot about uh, blondes that could play Alara. <laughs> There's a lot of talk about like who's blonde and would be good for Alara. Not that it matters. We didn't. Yeah, I mean, we could dye their hair, but they also have to be like, we can't start with 
don't know, the chick that plays Santiago on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, because she's not pale enough, you know what I'm saying? We can't exactly. just make her blind and there she's a Lara. We have to start with somebody that's kind of got that sort of... Yeah. But it, Swedish but Nordic type thing going on. I mean, we didn't care about hair for any other characters. Nordish. Well, really? that's not true. We mm. will do a casting at the end of the book, I think. We will, yeah, probably at the end. Like of Like a little mini series or something. Uh, be a fantasy cast the show or mini series or a movie yeah. or whatever maybe will be made. It is. Uh, I did notice with my research the other day that. Uh, it was confirmed earlier this year by Victoria Aviard that it'll be on Peacock. Yay! So when the series comes out, it will be on Peacock, and it will be homed by we, Elizabeth Minks. We have Peacock. Yeah. Because I am a wrestling fanatic, so that's why I have Peacock. That's right. And plus, you can watch Dateline 24 hours a day. Correct. And <laughs> Parks and Rec. Mm, yeah. And Office. Mother. Okay. Psych. Mom, side the movie. So can I we go into the back? Can we go into this made up backstory now? Because I jumped the gun early. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we kind of talked about most of it. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So Alara comes up with this big convoluted story about the history of Mare, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's got a dad who's in oblivion who can blow stuff up, and a mom who's a storm who can kind of control weather. So that means that they have a unique ability, Mare has a unique ability to control electricity. That's where it came from. Yeah. Is this a thing that actually happens, or do we know that at this point? We don't know. Based on what I can see, this no. is not something that has happened before. So that's why Alar is using it as the cover story of needing to keep Mare close by. Like, this is something that doesn't happen very often, so we need to, like... Look at when it yeah. does happen. We've never seen this, so we need to keep an eye on her. Right. Yeah. Which is which is true on both sides of the coin, but on only one side of the coin is Alara actually concerned about Mare. Oh, right. On the other one, she just wants to keep her under her thumb. Yep. Exactly. There's another uh, quote at the end I want to read here. Yeah, this is a good one. It's a really good one. Um... So, Alara is in Mare's head, telling her kind of what needs to happen. And she says, You're pretending to be raised red, but you're silver by blood. You are now red in the head, silver in the heart. From now until the end of your days, you must lie. Your life depends on it, little lightning girl. So, she's quite clearly threatening her. Yeah, she's basically saying, You're going to be what I tell you you're going to be, and you're going to like it. Or else. And Mayor's really concerned, as we found out, about her family. Yeah. She figures already, by this point, that this situation will kill her. She will die in this situation. Either Alara will kill her, she'll mess up, something's going to happen, and this situation will kill her. One of the Queen's so, trial girls are going to kill her. Right. Someone's going to murder her. <laughs> So she's really only concerned with securing her family and Kalorn because she feels like that's the part of it that she can control. Even though that's the part of it that's outside the palace and she really doesn't have any control over it, she kind of feels like she's playing her ace card and, and getting them taken care of while she's going to die at the palace pretty much. 
basically I'll sacrifice myself so that my brothers and Kalorn and my family don't have to worry about it. Right. She's assuming that that would continue after they murder her. Exactly. She's assuming that after she's out of the way, they're not just going to go back on their deal. She assumes a lot. She really does. Makes a lot of assumptions. And it almost gets her killed multiple times. Well, I think also in her mind, it's it's much probably easier for her brain to cope with the fact that she's going to die soon than it is to be that this is literally going to be the rest of her life. Yeah. She would rather die within the next few months sure than have to live been, the rest of her life right, like she, this. Her, she hasn't been able to come to grips with that yet, I don't think. Yeah, just she's kind of just like, um, the sooner I die, the sooner it's all over with. Yeah. So, then we move into Chapter 10. Yes, yes we do. Which is the Queen's Trial Feast, yes? Yeah. Uh-huh. Unfortunately. Lots of looks at this new world through Mare's eyes. Yeah. Because this is the sort of elegance of the elegance. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is a this is a royal feast. It's going to be some big speeches, stuff happen later on. So this is the first time that Mare gets a glimpse of what this silver palace life is going to look like for her. Mm-hmm. And she is super confused. Yeah. She's confused but she's also like in awe of everything like it's it's beautiful but i am so confused right now yeah she says marina is impressed but keeps her emotions in check cold and unfeeling mm-hmm. so she's already practicing but also she notices you know because mare's very smart she notices when she's walking in and seeing how all the families are seated and arranged and everything that within this world that she thought was just black and white, there are many shades of gray that make up palace life. Mm-hmm. The king and queen are on the top. Of course. And they always like to show it. Oh, do they? But there are families descending down in a hierarchy from them. It's not just the royal fa- family and then right below that is everybody, all the other silvers. There's definitely a hierarchy within this hierarchy. Right. Yeah. She's learning this, like, there's not just reds and silvers. There's reds, then there's really low silvers, then silvers, then silvers, and silvers. I mean, there's this, like... It's like reds, a high school. Right. For the most part, reds pretty much are, up, are at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. They're held there. Yeah. But the silvers, it's not just that they're all gods. There's definitely, like you said, there's normal silvers. I know it sounds silly, but... I'm sure probably weaker, different abilities we've never heard of. There's probably some that just have, like, the ability to run, like, 5% faster than normal people. That's it. There are There is actually a silver ability that's that's just the ability to run faster. It's a lot faster than that. Right, but I'm just but saying, you know, there's, there's normal silvers. Or it also, it doesn't necessarily depend on the ability either. It depends on the family's level of power. Correct. The hierarchy of everything. Yeah. Mayor's learning quickly like the, the 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 chasm between how she views reds and how she views silvers is quickly closing she's yeah. seeing that they're very not, human like emotional yeah. not that much different no, just the in fact the grand scheme of right. things just the fact that they right now have the power yeah we get another good piece of foreshadowing here when they walk into the feast and mayor sees the royal family standing there 
the king and queen look very smug, lording over their subjects. Of course. Cal also looks like he's, you know, he's he's kind of pull, pull, holding it together. You know, he knows he's going to have to pr- propose to somebody. And, and that blah, he doesn't blah, blah, like. Blah, blah. He doesn't he want doesn't to do like, this. Right. He's, he's not here for this at all. Nope. But even worse than that is Maven. Mare can see the storm all over Maven's face. And she specifically says, the younger brother is not as good as Cal at hiding his feelings. At least I won't have to deal with a good liar. Oh, honey. Poor Mare. And that's all we're going to say about that. Yeah. We'll leave you there with that. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. So, then... Then the king and queen go into this whole huge lie about Mare's backstory and all that. Marina. They're telling everyone at the feast, right? They're like, the king is like, you know, gets up and makes a big speech about this. Huge speech about it. It's, the queen joins in. They have to milk it for every single drop it's worth. Just gonna wring it all out. And then, what does Alara say that Mare will do? She will join... They will join House Titanos and Kalor. Yeah. Basically saying she's going to marry... One of the princes. One of the princes. And all the Queen's trial girls are immediately like, Oh, no, They're she's like, taking um, Cal from us. Excuse you know, me? Yeah. No way. No, none of them are happy. And then... And then Maven comes forward and kind of deflates all the tension in the room. And he does what? He proposes to Mare. And it sounds like a question, but she has absolutely no choice in her answer. She's like, um, okay. (laughs) Sure, why not? I mean, your mom's going to kill me if I say no, so yes, I guess. It's, it's 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 a it's a begrudging yes, but she she knows she doesn't have a, cha- a choice right now. Yeah. There's a part here that kind of tugged on my heartstrings a little bit, where she's thinking about who oh, yeah. she would have wanted to be proposing to her in this moment. Like I'm only ever going to get one person to propose to me in a lifetime. Who would I have wanted it to be? And. Can I read what she says? Chris, yeah, go it's ahead. Chris it's definitely Chris Hemsworth. Uh, you want me to read the whole thing? Yeah, go ahead. Who would I have chosen if none of this had happened? If Kalorn's master never died? If Giza's hand was never broken? If nothing ever changed? Conscription? Survival? Green-eyed children with quick feet and Kalorn's last name? That future was almost impossible before. Now it's non-existent. Aww. I know. Kalorn, the poor young man that she friendzoned. <laughs> Aww. She wanted to be there one more time to say, thanks, buddy. <laughs> he's he's not even going to try climbing out of the friend zone either. He's just kind of going to be like, yeah, man, it's he's, fine. He's moving in. He's comfortable with it. He's, yeah. It's like, hey, hey, girl. Oh, hey, buddy. But maybe it's making her rethink that and think, well, what I had. I mean, at least he was always there. Exactly. Right. If I had to choose between Maven or Kalorn, 
I feel like I would choose Kalorn. Of course, that choice would also have been made after coming home from surviving war. That's true. She would have had to have been conscripted, go to the choke, survive. Hope he survives. Hope he survives, then come home again. Well, I mean, if his master hadn't died, he wouldn't have to worry about it. True story. Well, that's a lot of this. Exactly. She she hates it. So do we? That's why even she even says "if" is the worst word in the world. Yeah. Ugh. So who wins? Do we find out who wins Queen Trial? Yeah, we do. And who is it? It's Evangeline! Oh my god! That's a shock, right? No. <laughs> no, it's not at all. Like, everyone was talking about it before Mayor fell into the lightning field. Yeah, it was just... Oh, okay. That was kind of anticlimactic, if I'm being so honest. So, after, after Maven proposes to Mayor, what does Cal do? He gets up, and he proposes to Evangeline. He's not happy, by the way. This no. doesn't make him happy. He's got the Stephen King smile on his face. It doesn't quite reach his eyes. That He's Victoria like, Aveyard likes to write about, too. Mom is also a huge Stephen King fan. Love my Stephen King. And does Evangeline say yes? Of course! Right, because she's going to be queen. That's a big deal. Someday. Someday, yes. But Evangeline kind of takes it on herself in this moment to be, like, Mare's guide to how to accept a proposal from a prince. Yeah. And poor Mare is just worried that Evangeline's fingernails are going to break her skin and make <laughs> her bleed red in front of everybody in the feast. Yeah. It's, it's like, like she's she's not even she can't even get out of her head that much to be like Evangeline's trying to save me by getting me to look somewhat normal. She's still just I mean, it's like she can only see the threat that's happening yeah she makes me think of what's going on in her mind must be like what happens to the cat in the peppy Le Pew commercials after she accidentally gets the white stripe painted down her back and peppy Le Pew thinks she's a skunk and she's just constantly trapped and trying to squirm out of everything with that look on her face like that's just how i pictured <laughs> man throughout this whole thing that's it's just good. trying to get away from peppy Le Pew. That's really, really good. Now I feel the need that someone needs to make like a gif of that where they take like fan art of Mare and put it like over the sky. Yeah, over the cat. Like, ah. <laughs> and then Evangeline threatens to kill her, so that's great. Oh yeah, of course. Because Evangeline can't not. She's a very, very violent person. Yep. Yeah, she's not a good human being. Nope, not in the so slightest. Then we get some more muttering, so back up. <laughs> Add another one to the mutter count. Yeah. Then does the, uh, the king... In all fairness, Evangeline is smiling. So she's trying not to drop her smile. She's trying to talk so she's, like, she's like talking through her smile. And right. it doesn't come out very well. And then the, Muttering, still muttering. Yep. Then the king mentions something. <laughs> so I <laughs> I have it written here as... Uh, I'll, I'll go through the whole thing. Um, he talks about the Scarlet Guard. Yes. And... He says that the Scarlet Guard may seem small and insignificant to us, talking about Silvers, but they represent a dangerous turn for our red brothers. And no one in the crowd really likes that he called them brothers. Yeah, did anybody else hear a record scratch in your head when you were reading that? A little bit. I was like, wait, what? What, what did he just say? Like, Honey, seriously? what? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I so I have it written here. And he calls them brothers. Uh, I just have written in my notes. King calls red brothers. Mare no likey. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make her happy. 
I think we all have something like that written. Pretty much, yeah. Cool. Something something we can't shit or on a yeah. family-friendly YA podcast. Yes. But basically he's saying this, these, this Scarlet Guard that has caused all these problems for us, the Silvers, are no problem for us Silvers. They're inferior, but they may cause problems for our red brothers. Like, right, it's like, like, oh, this, this guy. Right, <laughs> like, he's like, not just that, he's, but he's like making it sound like clearly the Scarlet Guard is going after reds. Like, what? Right. Then, not only that, planting the seed, he doubles down and says, A divided nation is something I cannot bear. We must maintain balance. Which made me think, Where has the king been this whole time if he thinks that there's any balance? He only thinks that because he's a silver and the scales are tipped in his favor. And now he's upset because they're starting to have little pebbles that are going to add weight to the other side of the scale. They're not even in danger of tipping the scale. There's just a tiniest rumble of unevenness on the scale. And he calls that a divided nation. Right. It's yeah. like, dude... <clears throat> How do you not know how divided your nation already is? Yeah, and and thinking that the weddings with one girl that was raised as a red and one girl that we'll find out will bring, bring peace throughout the kind of silver hierarchy, like he thinks that's going to heal this nation and that's how out of touch he is. Because it's not. Trust me. Well, we know that. So then, after the king gives his little uh, speech Ugh. there, Maven is all whiny. What's up with Maven? So, Maven is whiny. This kind of sets a tone, by the way. Maven is very whiny. Yes. Yeah, and this is where the flip side from the other one comes in. He goes to apologize to her and calls her Marina. Mm-hmm. And she corrects him and says my name is Mare. Actually she doesn't say it. Well she wants to. Yeah. But she doesn't. In her head, she's yeah. like, my name is Mare. And then he's complaining because he didn't get to choose who to marry. Cause normally the younger prince who yeah. doesn't have to marry for royalty gets to choose yeah. who he gets to marry. Any like child kind of one of the, the only benefits of not being the heir. Yeah. And Mare basically shuts him down by saying that he and Cal have literally everything. They live in a palace. They have everything done for them. So she shouldn't feel sorry for him. Like, she shouldn't feel pity. Because they don't feel pity for her, and she's gone through so much more. Right. Maven's mad because he lost his ability to choose. But Mare never had that. Either, so place. she can't feel sorry yeah. for her. Yeah, Mare never had the ability to choose really anything that happened in her life. He's being, he's getting angry because he couldn't choose who to marry, which is yeah. something so, in the, to the Silvers, it's so small and so trivial. Right, yeah, she's, she's not here for any of this with Maven. Nope. So then we slide into chapter 11. We're done with the feast. Now we're getting to the toast part. Yay. Of the evening, everybody's getting their drunk on. <laughs> Tongues are starting to get a little loose. Evangeline's dad gets up and makes a toast. Hang on, there is uh, 
one more thing. There's one quote that I want to read. Yeah. Oh, at the, the end. end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it says, I am a red girl in a sea of silvers. I can't afford to feel sorry for anyone, least of all the son of a snake. Oof. Yeah. So she's slamming on Alara and Maven at the, same, at the time. same time. Yeah. And it's masterful. I think she's also trying to remind, say, hey, no matter what they may say or do now at this point, on they're keeping me here against my will, exactly. so they're not good people anyway, and I'm not going to yeah. allow them to get into my good graces. I'm just going to go and do what i got to do, so. Then here come all the, all the toasts at the end of the feast. Yeah, and the big one is is Volo. Yeah, it's Evangeline's dad. He's all bragging about the fact that Evangeline won Queen's trial and she's gonna be queen. He's not really bragging necessarily. It just comes across like yeah. that. He he's more just talking, and he's that smarmy that that's that that's just kind of how what it comes happens. Across. Yeah. So this is where we find out that Lord Samos is kind of like a big deal yeah he's he's, he's kind, of a, big kind deal. of a big deal and and that's one of the reasons that everyone knew evangeline was going to win queen's trial because her family is so powerful and why, so high in this silver hierarchy why are they so powerful what do they give he knows merlin olsen he comes over sometimes no all of the guns come from yeah his i was trying to find it land so this war that's been going on for a hundred years, all of his people—he's profiting off of it, right? He's exactly. a warlord. He's yeah. a warlord. He's a warlord. He's Dick Cheney. So he'll probably shoot somebody while they're hunting later. And he could probably shoot someone and get away with it too. I'm sure he could. Deep cut. Could also get like seven or eight heart transplants. I'm sure. So. So pretty much is Dick Cheney. And is this from this this information she's getting is from Maven, correct? Yes. He's like sitting beside her, telling her who everybody is here. Yeah. And what what does she notice as she's sitting? What does she notice about Maven's skin? Maven touches her. Oh yeah. Uh, she notices that it's actually cold. Shockingly cold, I think yeah. she says. Yeah. And uh, she's noticed prior that Cal's skin is warm. So this is weird. If they're brothers, what's the dealio? Is it a little foreshadowing? Foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean, snakes are cold-blooded. I think it's kind of like how it's almost like when Cal is expressing like emotion or anger, he he gets hot. I almost wonder if Maven is like the opposite. Even though they're both burners, it's like he almost... But that's him trying to keep his emotions in check. I think it's him trying to keep his emotions in check. I think that's why his skin is so cold. Like he's, he he's cooling his temper and his body. As much as possible, yeah. Because yeah. One, one is basically linked to yeah, the, the other. other. Yeah. So this is when we get to see kind of some really destructive thoughts that are going through Mare's head here. She is... She has almost another existential crisis. In a good headspace, yeah. Mare and this isn't is even Alara messing with her. This, yeah. is just, this is just Mare on her own. Mare's just paranoid at this point. Yeah. Why don't, why don't you read us some of what Mare has to say when her thoughts here? Okay. 
So, um, Mare says, uh, I cannot slip. Not now, not ever. I'm one of them. I'm special. I'm an accident. I'm a lie. And my life depends on maintaining the illusion. That's kind I of the first bit. That, that makes her a true silver. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. silvers are all about maintaining this illusion of, not as like illusion of power, but it's all about how they look. Sometimes right. it is an illusion. Learning, right. learning how to be silver right from the get-go. Yeah. And then she's also paranoid and scared about the Scarlet Guard. Yeah, she's like terrified of Farley. I mean, who wouldn't be? Farley is kind of a terrifying person. Like she's like afraid that they're going to see her and think, oh, she's this silver or mm -hmm. she's working with the silvers and they're going to kidnap her and put her on TV and kill her for everybody to see to show that she, To she's, show that she's red, but they were saying right. she's silver to kind of expose the she's, king's lies and yeah. all that stuff. She's completely losing it at this point. Oh, oh yeah. she's totally losing she's it. She's going 100% insane. Also, at the same time, she's being exposed to all these cameras and all this electricity well, for the first feel. time in the palace that she can feel. Yeah. So she doesn't know if that is a side effect of what happened earlier or if it's just this would have always happened if she she's would have been around electricity. She's never been around electricity, so yeah. she's only aware of it now. I mean, they did have some electricity in there. But not this. Not but not this. this much. But not this. And she like, fixed the box that one yeah. time with her dad. She was able to fix it just by touching it. She's, so if there was more electricity around her, I feel like she would have known about this a lot at a lot earlier age. Also, I think she's like, is this something that I've always been able to do? It's just the shield, like, kind of brought this up in me. Well, I, I, I think she is with electricity, the way. The nymphs are with water, or the burners are with fire. She can only control what's around her. She didn't grow up around electricity, so there was none for her to control. Now she's in the palace with electricity running constantly through all the walls. There's so much there for her to be able to wield. It's like wearing a little bracelet like Cal or Maven, but she's mm -hmm. walking through it yeah. instead. And I think it's that's that's kind of how she's thinking about it. Well, it, I, mean, I don't know if that's necessarily true. True. But... In fairness, at this point, though, she doesn't know the true extent of her powers. No, right. She doesn't. She just so. knows she can feel where the big points of electricity are, like cameras or lights or things like that. Right. She can feel those things. But she couldn't, back in the stilts, like the electrical box or whatever, she couldn't feel that stuff. It wasn't until she, like, got to Somerton and felt the cameras there the first time. Mm-hmm. So this is when uh, Cal walks her to her room, right? They split up and Maven walks Evangeline to her room and Cal yes. walks Mare to her room. Yeah. They kind of have a little bit of a conversation. Um, Mare talks about her family, right? Yeah. This is the first time we see her relax in about 12 hours. <laughs> At least. Yeah. This Other is... than when she was unconscious. And I don't think that really counts. I don't think she was necessarily relaxed. When she says something about her family, what does Cal tell her about what they told, what her family was told? Uh, he says that they know that she has to stay there. She has to live with them, but they think she's a servant because they can't exactly tell her what's 
really going on, they can't tell them what's really going on yet. They'll have to eventually. Right, because like, don't even the Reds get like the news and stuff sometimes? Like, wouldn't they see her yeah. everywhere? Yeah, like it would, be, it would be at least in the square at some point, especially something that big. Like, they would put that everywhere. Right. And, yeah, I think it's just... He, he even says, uh, when your life becomes more public, we'll figure out how to deal with them. Right. So, like, once we start putting you everywhere, once you're on the news constantly, we'll find out how we're going to deal with that situation. Right, they know that you're okay. Yeah, they know that you're not dead, which I guess is the most they can give them at this point. Yeah. We find out that... Mare can tell when they get to her room that there's cameras in there. Mm-hmm. And she questions Cal about it. And he says, Mare, there aren't any cameras in your room. Yeah. So that spins her for a loop right there. She can clearly feel them. Mm-hmm. So but she's like, is he them. lying to me? Or does he not know? Or does he not even know? Yeah. Which is a possibility. So, you know, there's just, it's like an onion for Mare at this point in time. So every time she peels back a layer, there's just more and more and more there yeah. to it. And also, uh, she finds out that that electrical, the, the, that electrical sense isn't normal. Like, not everyone feels this way. Yeah. We also get a mutter and a wince in this section. Oh, really? Cow winces. We get some more muttering. Mm. Good stuff. Yeah. Real good stuff. There's a lot of wincing and flinching. And oh, and that her brothers have been yes. sent for. She lets... Yeah. Been sent for, them. but we don't know. Yeah. Right. We don't know anything about... Yeah. Just that the conscript release was sent for her brothers, and they. I think they got Kalorn a job. I believe so. I think yeah. that's how they got Kalorn out of it. Because they had to come up with some reason that they got out of conscription. So they, it was like some lottery thing or whatever. They took like one family, and it just happened to be the Warrens. The, yeah. The Barrows. They got him a job at the mutter factory so he can help keep up the production of all those mutters. Correct. Yeah, and then they got Kalorn a servant's job. So. Then we get some massive foreshadowing by Mare here at the end of the chapter. And she says, I don't think anything about me is normal anymore. Mm, yeah. So from when she woke up the day before to now when she's getting ready to go to bed at yeah. the, this palace. It's been like 13 hours yeah, or something. Yeah, her entire life has changed. Yeah. And um, then at the end of the chapter, she says, In fairy tales, the poor girl smiles when she becomes a princess. Right now, I don't know if I'll ever smile again. It's like, wow. So dramatic, Mary. <laughs> I don't think she's necessarily being overdramatic, though. I mean, she imagine just, yourself in this position. Did she just watch a Transformers movie? <laughs> oh my god, Dad. <laughs> she just watched the Ronin video. She'll never smile she again. She will never smile again. I still can't watch that video. That's for another time. <laughs> Brings us to the, that's the end of chapter 11. Yeah. Um... Anything that we want to go back and look at or discuss? Did you have any notes or any questions, either of you? Um, I think we got everything. Yeah, the big thing I just want the listeners to take away about these chapters um, is 
is you know we make a lot of jokes and it is just a character in a book but mare is really struggling in this moment this is way too much pressure and when she's like what 17? mental toxicity yeah. for a 17 year old her she her entire family's well-being rests in her hands she feels She's got to play this part perfectly mm-hmm. or everybody she loves is going to die, basically. Like, that's what she's walking through this palace thinking is that one wrong step and everybody I love dies, including me. So, in fact, Laura would probably drag her to wherever they are, kill them all in front of her, and then kill her. Like, exactly. Make it painful. Yeah, that's so, how big this situation is. Yeah. And that's how scared she has to be for this to... for everything to work out and for her and her family to not die right true and, but and while all, all this is happening also another thing to remember is she's seeing the silvers more and more for who they truly are and not who they thought they were these godlike creatures yeah every, every it's like every interaction she has she sees them more and more just like her with only with abilities well now she also has abilities right so what so what separates them, separates the them? Blood? yeah and that's one of the reasons that they're so scared of her. The Silvers are scared of her because they think, well, what really is the difference between reds and silvers except for the color of their blood and the fact that we have abilities? Now that they've seen a red with abilities, it's it really scares them. They don't like that they are not the only ones that have that anymore. And it's the only thing that's really allowed them to stay in power this long. Right. So what's keeping reds from being like, wait, why are we doing this if some of us have abilities? Right, and they also are keeping it even from other silvers because they don't want anyone to know this because it would be a sign of weakness. Exactly. Anything that could right. challenge their power. And they don't like that. No. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this has been a great episode. Yeah. We had a lot of really good discussion. Um, we're getting ready to go into some... Pretty Rough deep times stuff. for Mary, which yeah. is why we're making so many jokes. Because if we don't, this is gonna get real depressing, real, real fast. fast, and we don't want that for us or for you. So <laughs> we're gonna try and keep it light-ish, but there's a certain point coming up in like a couple chapters that I don't think I'm gonna be able to do that. I, I may, I, I may almost cry. Yep, there's some heavy stuff coming up. Foreshadow. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Maybe. So guys, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Want to hear uh, something particular that you'd like to talk about on the episode? Give us an e- or shoot us an email at readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. And occasionally we might pop up on Twitter. Instagram is reading with the Rockefellers, all spelled out just like that. Twitter is Rockefeller Read. So find us on social media and interact with us. We'd love to hear from our fans. We'll see everybody next week. See ya. Bye. Bye.